You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise for the worship team. Revolution. Revolution worship. We're grateful for you. Thank you for helping us come into the presence of the Lord. Spirit check. Y'all are still with me. You're still with me. I'm going to say it one more time. Spirit check. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been a, a joy uh, to be here uh, the last couple days. We flew in on Friday and been spending time with Pastor Zach. How many love Pastor Zach? Let's give it up for Pastor Zach. You guys have a, a great leader who loves the Lord. I would encourage you to get connected with him and just camp out in his office. That's what I encourage you to do. Just camp out in his office. He's a... a special brother in the Lord. I want to ask before we get into the word uh, this evening, if you do me a favor, I'm going to ask for a special favor. My uh, church, Chapel of Change, uh, allowed me to come here the last four days, and uh, I uh, wasn't in church for the last couple of days because I've been with y'all. So I want to ask that you do me a favor. I'm going to do a little short video. Can you guys help me out and say thank you, Chapel of Change? Okay, hold on. Let me record first. Y'all are good. Y'all are good. Can you do that for me? All right, hold on. And just kind of say it maybe a couple times because I'm going to go around the room like that, all right? Say it real loud. You're going to really bless, bless us with this. I'm going to show it to the church, all right? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Spirit check. Spirit check. All right. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise y'all. I did good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, remember, we believe the Bible, as followers of Jesus Christ, is the inspired word of God. Remember, we believe the Bible is the word of our king, the word of our king. The Bible has power in it because it is the Word of God. So every time, remember, I'm just reminding you, every time we open up the Word of God, we open it up to submit to it. We open it up to be transformed by it. We open it up to be spiritually fed by it. For you remember, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live off bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I want to just encourage you and remind you that as we break up the word of God, there's something uh, spiritually dynamic that takes place in the atmosphere. Something spiritual, something powerful that takes place when we share the word of God. Spirit check. Spirit check. Tonight, after I share for a few minutes, I'm going to give uh, someone the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Tonight, after I speak this evening, I'm going to give a call for anyone who needs to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, either for the first time or recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe you've been stagnant. Maybe you've been distracted. We talked about distractions, right, and diversions. And maybe you've been distracted, and it's time that as you go into this next season to get more serious with God, to get more serious with Him. So at the end of my time this evening, I'm going to give a call to anybody who may want to recommit their life to the Lord and I would like the opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you and with you. So keep that in your heart this evening. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn back to Luke chapter 13, verse 31 through 33. I started off with this passage, and I'm going to end with this passage. And what we are seeing here is a confrontation between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Jesus. What we are seeing here is an attack on Jesus to distract him and divert him from fulfilling his divine kind of assignment, which was to go to Jerusalem 
and die on the cross where you and I, but then on the third day be resurrected with all power in his hands and thus allow us to enter into the kingdom of God as we submit to his rule in our life. That was Jesus' ministry. That was his mission to relaunch the kingdom of God. And you and I, whether you realize it or not, are part of a revolution in this world where God is using born-again, spirit-filled, sanctified believers to advance his kingdom in this earth, to reclaim this earth for the kingdom of God. And the Lord wants to use your dreams, your visions, in conjunction with his will to fulfill that plan in our generation. It's exciting. The revolution is on whether you realize it or not. So Luke chapter 13, let's read verses 31. It says, at that time, some Pharisees, someone say Pharisees, came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Jesus replied, go tell that fox. Now, I, I got to pause for a second because that is one of the most radical statements that Jesus ever said. Don't get Jesus twisted because Jesus was not a weakling. He was a man's man, and he had the courage to confront possibly the most powerful human being in that area, which was King Herod, and he, one of the most radical statements he ever made, he said, go tell that fox. In our language, um, it is equivalent to say, go tell that scumbag. I ain't going nowhere. And I'm excited, I'm, I'm excited, I'm inspired how Jesus stood up to the powers that be. He said, he re replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons. Listen to the mission of Jesus. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day. Someone say third day. Someone say third day. He is referring, at least by extension, he's implying the resurrection of uh, uh, when he rises from the dead, the third day. That's, that's what they call in biblical terms third day language. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a third day individual. We are third day people. It says, on the third day, I will reach my goal. Someone say goal. Listen, Jesus had a goal. Jesus lived with a goal. Jesus pursued a goal. I want to encourage you, y'all need to have some goals in life. Last verse, verse 33. In any case, I must press on. Someone say press on. I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. I've been attempting to inspire you uh, from the subject, press on, press on. Someone say press on. From the moment I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ at the age of 17 years old, the Los Angeles County Jail just got condemned a life sentence in prison, from the moment I picked up my Bible, from the moment I made a commitment to follow Jesus as a teenager, from the moment I said, Jesus, here's my life, I, 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 I committed to follow you, I want to do your will, I want to do your plan, from the moment I entered this revolution, from the moment I entered the kingdom of God, from the moment Jesus issued me my new kingdom ID, I realized that I would have to press on in order to be the man of God that I am today. I realized that to be who I am today, some 30 years later, would not come easy. I realized 
that it was not going to be easy to serve the Lord in the midst of hell and high water. I realized fast that it wasn't going to be easy to study my Bible. It wasn't going to be easy to pray every day. It wasn't going to be easy to share the gospel. I realized at 17, 18 years old that serving the Lord was not going to be easy. And if anybody ever told you it's going to be easy, they told you a lie. We're going against the grain in this society. Our kingdom is not of this world. We do things different. We live different. Followers of Jesus think different. We act different. We, we, we live differently. And it is not easy to be a soldier in the kingdom of God. And I learned if I'm going to be all that God has called me to be. I must. Press on. Someone say press on. We see in this text, I want to remind you, in Luke 13, Jesus pressing through an attempt to distract him. We see in this passage of Scripture, Jesus pressing through an attempt to hold him down. Remember, they told him, get away from this place. They told him, leave this place. They wanted to displace him. They wanted him to move away. They wanted him to, to leave. Don't fulfill your plan. Don't fulfill your goal. And we see Jesus pressing through the attack of the enemy. Tonight, I want us to learn a little bit of how Jesus pressed on. Hopefully, it will strengthen you to press on in your life. Someone say amen. The first thing that I would have us to consider in our reflection of the Word of God is that we are to press on with discernment. Someone say discernment. Now, this attack on Jesus was particularly uh, devious because it was done by religious leaders. On the surface, get this, on the surface, they sounded like they cared for Jesus. On the surface, they acted like they had concern for Jesus. They, they acted like they, they said, Jesus, they want to kill you. You got to leave this place. And on the surface, it, it appeared that they really, they were sincerely trying to protect Jesus. The reality is they were not trying to protect Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus. In fact, one scholar suggests in this particular situation, he says the Pharisees wanted to get Jesus back into Judea where the religious leaders could watch him and ultimately trap him. Since when did the Pharisees care about Jesus? They were always trying to trap Jesus. Since when did they love Jesus? Listen, it sounded like they cared for him, but in reality, it was a trap. And I want to suggest to us in our reflection of God's word that Jesus discerned the trap. Jesus discerned the trap. And when I talk about discernment tonight, discernment speaks of the ability to choose truth from error right from wrong, and able to decipher the outcome of a situation. When I talk about discernment, pressing through, when I talk about pressing through discernment, I'm talking about discernment is the ability to choose from truth, from error, uh, right from wrong, and to decipher, get this, this is going to be critical in your life, to decipher the outcome of any given situation. We're going to go far in this world, we're going to avoid the traps and the bombs of our generation. We are going to have to up our discernment as people of God. We're going to have to up our discernment. In fact, Proverbs 22 verse 3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. But the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. We're going to have to up our discernment. Now a trap, a trap is something that looks good on the surface, but it ultimately leads to sin and pain. That's what a trap is. When I talk about discerning the traps in life, 
Traps are something that looks good on the surface. It may feel good on the surface, but eventually it leads to sin and even pain. What are some of the traps that we need to discern in our context? What are some of the traps that you may need to discern in your context? Well, let me give you some suggestions. Maybe, maybe taking a trip with your friends and then ultimately sleeping in the same room with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Someone say a trap. Someone say that's a trap. But it's okay because they're on the couch and I'm on the floor and we're not going to do nothing. Someone say trap. It's a trap. Well, how about hanging around people that don't share your passion uh, for, for Jesus or the kingdom of God or your life? Hanging around people that don't share your passion. Someone say trap. It's a trap. What are some of the traps that you have to discern in life? How about, how about smoking weed to address the stress in our life? I'm stressed out. I need a little, I, I, I need a little out in my life, so I just I, I need to smoke a little bit of weed. Someone say it's a trap. Come on, somebody. Someone say it's a trap. Be careful. It looks good on the outside. It may feel good on the outside, but ultimately it leads to sin and sometimes even pain. It's a trap. You don't try to run from your problem. Let me tell you something. Difficulty is everywhere in this world. If you run from the difficulty of today, you're just going to meet up with it tomorrow. It is best to lean on the Lord and to encounter it with the power of the Holy Ghost. Be careful. Be careful. And I would also suggest um, be aware of what I like to call sin's seed. Sins, seeds. You know that sin starts off as seeds. And I have learned that the enemy likes us or likes to plant seeds of sin in our life. And then he backs away and allows the seed to work in our life. Be aware. Sin as seed. So you say, what, what are the seeds of sin? Listen, anything can be a seed. What you allow yourself to listen to are seeds. What you allow yourself to watch are seeds. The, the environment you allow yourself to constantly hang out in are seeds. What you listen to, what you watch, where you hang out can be seeds that ultimately produce sin or even death in one's life. Be careful. Be careful. I remember when I was in prison, um, they had me on the backside of the desert for many, many years, and we did not have any radio station for, so for about 16 years, I didn't listen to the radio. So when I got out of prison um, and I started working, uh, my car, you know, had the radio on it. And I was like, whoa, man, I, could, I get to enjoy the radio. And I used to drive about 45 minutes to work every day, and I would listen uh, to, to secular music. And I, I justified it by saying, well, I haven't listened to radio in a long time. I'm mature. I'm strong. I've been serving the Lord for 16 years. And by the way, um, they're not really talking about anything bad. Um, it's only like every other song that they're talking about uh, being up in the club and every other song they're talking about getting your grind on and every other song they're talking about getting high or drunk. It's not every song. It's only one every four songs. And if I drive to work for 30 minutes, I'm probably only listening to one or two bad songs and I'm strong enough to handle it. Some will say it's a trap. A couple weeks later, I started developing unhealthy thought patterns in my life. A couple weeks later, I started thinking on a regular basis of bad thoughts, and it got me frustrated because I knew enough of the Bible that I'm not supposed to be thinking that way. And I remember I would cry out to God, Lord, I don't need to be thinking this way. I don't want to be thinking this way. God, help me think 
the right way and I would I would regularly cry out to God I wouldn't get no deliverance but I would regularly cry out to God and say Lord deliver me from these bad thoughts deliver me from these bad thoughts and I'll never forget the Lord slapped me upside the head and you know what he said he said why should I deliver you you're just going to put them thoughts back in your mind when you drive to work and we'll say it's a trap so we need to press on with discernment. The Bible teaches that we are to be watchful. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8 it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The second thing I would have us to consider is that we are to press on with fierce focus. Someone say focus. Let me remind you of verse 32. Listen to what it says. This is Jesus. He said, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, get this, I will reach my goal. I'm inspired by that. That when Jesus was tempted to be diverted and distracted, he reminded himself of his goal. I'm inspired by that, that Jesus lived with a goal. And as I mentioned, Jesus' ultimate goal was to relaunch the kingdom of God through his life, death, and resurrection. That was his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal was to go to Jerusalem and hang on the cross for you and I to die and be buried on the third day to break the back of the kingdom of darkness and to be risen with all power and might in his hand. That was his ultimate goal so that you and I can enter into the kingdom of God and serve the Lord in our generation. That was his ultimate goal was to go to Jerusalem. In fact, the Bible says it over and over in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. It says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And it inspires me that in the midst of his struggle, he reminds himself of his goal. In other words, he says, no, 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 I can't go. I can't go there. I got to go. I can't be distracted. I got to go. I, I, I can't go there. I'm focused. I'm focused on what the Father wants me to do. And Jesus remained focused in his life to fulfill the Father's plan. And I want to encourage someone this evening. It's time to fix our focus. I want to encourage you tonight. That some of us may have been distracted, some of us may have been diverted, but the Lord has given you another opportunity to fix your focus. I want to encourage somebody tonight that we are to focus on what's in our life, not what left our life. I want to encourage someone tonight to focus on what's left in your life and not what left your life. Are you following along? People, remember this, people and things will come and go out of your life. People and things will come and go out of your life. And what I've learned in the years of serving the Lord, that some get trapped. Some get trapped in bitterness because they focus on what left their life instead of what's left in their life. It's a trap. We get focused on what left our life instead of what's left in our life. Some people stay trapped for years. We focus on who left our life instead of the new relationships that God wants us to build in the season that we're in now. We focus on what's behind instead of what's ahead of us. When I got sent to prison at 16 years old, I lost everything. This is one of my first prison IDs. And one of the first things that I saw when I stepped into the prison yard and I seen all the thousands of prisoners through the years walking around the prison yard over and over again. By the way, that's all you do in prison is you walk around in a circle. And one of the things that I saw 
was thousands of men talking about what they lost in life. Literally spending years walking around the prison yard talking about what left their life, what they had in their life, what went wrong in their life. And that's all they talked about for years. And I was determined not to get caught up in that trap. I was determined that while they talked about the past, I was going to talk about what God is going to do in my life. I was going to talk about what God was going to do through me and in me. I was focused on the future by faith. By faith. So I encourage you. Tonight, someone may need to fix your focus. Maybe someone left you. Maybe you lost something. Don't be stuck in that trap. The last thing that I would bring to our attention this evening is that we are to press on with Divine drive. Someone say divine drive. Listen to one of the most radical statements of Jesus in verse 33. He said, I must press on. He said, I must press on today, tomorrow, and the next day. This is one of the most radical statements of Jesus when he says, I must, I must, I must press on. And it speaks of divine drive. It speaks of divine drive. Jesus had this inward drive inside of him, pushing him forward. He had this inward drive. This is not the only place where Jesus spoke in these radical terms. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus says, I must, I must, I must be about my father's business. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I must, I must, I must preach the kingdom of God. There was something inside Jesus that was driving him forward through the obstacles, through the pain to get to where God, the Father wanted him to be. And I see this divine drive in the life of Apostle Paul. You study the life of Apostle Paul, uh, probably the person who's done the most for the kingdom of God, but that brother went through hell and high water through serving the Lord. He was shipwrecked. He was beat down. He was almost stoned to death, but he talked in terms as he had this divine drive inside of him that was pushing him forward through the obstacles in life. Listen to this in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, the testimony of Apostle Paul. He says, now compelled... By the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Compelled by the Spirit. Now, when I first started serving the Lord, they, they told me that the Holy Spirit is gentle. They told me the Holy Spirit is gentle. They taught me that the Holy Spirit gently leads and gently guides. And I still believe the Holy Spirit is gentle. I still believe that the Holy Spirit gently guides. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit has a fifth gear. I also believe that the Holy Spirit has a drive that he wants to place inside of us that compels us forward into the plan of the Father for our life. And I see it here with Jesus when he says, I must press on. I must press on. Now, for us as New Testament believers, this divine drive comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For us as New Testament believers, this divine drive comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God wants us as citizens of the kingdom of God to live by and be filled by the Holy Ghost. How are you able to press forward in this life? It's when we live a life that is filled by and driven by the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I thank God that not too long ago after I got saved, the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been driving me ever since I was 17 and 18 years old. We need power. We need power. And Jesus offers us power. Jesus tonight offers you power. Jesus gives us power to persevere in life. He gives us power to endure the hardships in life. I had to earn my college degree while I was in prison. And the environment that I had while I was in prison was no way like the beautiful environment that you got here at Central Christian College. I remember I would be in a dorm as big as this sanctuary, and it was originally filled, uh, made for about 100 people, but they had 300 prisoners in there, and it was in the middle of the desert with no air conditioning. And I remember I used to have to take my books and go down to the day room and study in 120-degree weather, and I wonder how was I able to accomplish my goal. I'm letting you know this evening it was the leading and infilling of the Holy Spirit in my life. He gave me a divine drive to get up every morning and to do the will of God for my life. Jesus gives us power not to give up, not to give up. Maybe there's someone in here that you're on the verge of giving up on your education. Maybe there's someone in here who you're on the verge of giving up on your dreams. Jesus is offering you power tonight. Jesus also gives us power to forgive those who hurt us. He gives us power to forgive those who hurt us. 1982, my oldest brother David was shot in the face by a rival gang member. And David slumped over and died. We carried him out of the city to be buried never to return. This one event threw my whole family into a downward spiral. This one event wrecked my mother, wrecked my other brothers and sisters. To this day, some of my brothers and sisters are still suffering from this event. Some of us have never got over this one event the death and murder of my brother. I had a, a brother just got out of prison two weeks ago, and he doesn't realize it, but he's still suffering from this one event. Someone killed my oldest brother. And I remember the tears. I remember the pain. I remember going into my brother's room. I was about seven years old when he was murdered, and I remember going into my brother's room, and someone had drew a silhouette of his face on the wall, and they dug a hole to where the bullet was uh, hit his face, and I remember it was dark. I was seven, eight years old, and I'll never forget, I was so mad that I hit my brother's face that was drawn on the wall. This one event sent my life into a downward spiral. I joined a gang because of what happened. I almost got killed because of what happened. I became angry because of what happened. And I remember all my early life, I always wondered who killed my brother. I always wondered what happened to that individual. Who was he? What was he? About about eight years ago, by the sovereignty of God, the Lord divinely connected me to the person who killed my brother. And we flew him out to my church. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I just want you to know that I came into contact with the guy who killed your son, and he wants to meet you. He wants to meet you. Are you willing to meet the guy who killed your first child? And my mom, by the grace of God, told me, 
I'm willing to meet him if he does one thing. I'm willing to meet him if he does one thing. And I said, Mom, what is that? He has to go with me to the cemetery to where David is buried. And I called the guy who killed my brother, and I said, listen, my mom says she's willing to meet you, but you got to do one thing. And he said, what is it? What is it she want me to do? you got to go to the cemetery with us. you got to go to the cemetery. He was like, I've never been there before. I don't know what that. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll direct you. A couple weeks later, he flew into Los Angeles. We met up with my mom. We drove to the cemetery, and there he is on the surface of where my brother is buried and as my mom and I were standing right there the Holy Spirit gave us the strength and the power to forgive this man and not only forgive this man but to lay hands on this man and bless him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ how does that happen by the power of the Holy Ghost that brother went to our church and in every service my mom stood up and publicly forgave him for killing her son. That's a picture of her hugging him some 30-something years later. How does that happen? Jesus gives us the power to forgive those who hurt us. 1989, I was 14 years old. And I had developed a bad attitude. I wouldn't listen to wisdom. I wouldn't listen to my dad. I wouldn't go to school. My dad put me in a Christian school to try to help me. I went to Harbor Christian School because my dad was trying to save my life, and he gave me an opportunity to get it right, but I would not listen, and I began to run away. I remember I got a duffel bag. I got all my clothes, and after my grandma dropped me off at school, I ran away. I ran away, and I went back to my gang member friends, and my life continued on a downward spiral, and at the age of 14 years old, a rival gang member from less than 10 feet away opened fire on me and tried to kill me when he shot me and my brother. By the grace of God, out of about five bullets, only one hit me in my left arm, and I'll never forget my arm flew up, and I yelled out, I'm hit, I'm hit. 1989, 14 years old. And all them years, I would wonder, who shot me? Who tried to kill me? Who was the guy who, who, who shot me? And somehow, by the sovereignty of God, about a year ago, I was preaching in the same city that my crime happened, and I was preaching to the mayor and to the council people, and I was telling them my story, and at the end of the event, a young man came up to me and said, Pastor Brian, uh, can I talk with you? I said, sure. He said, listen, my name is Albert, and I just want to ask for your forgiveness because I'm the one who tried to kill you. This is me forgiving him, putting my hand on him. Today, Albert is saved, serving the Lord in our church. How does that happen? The power of God gives us strength to forgive those who hurt us. About two years ago, we were about to start a campus in the community that my crime took place in. And the night before the service, I got a phone call from a lady. And when, the, when I answered the phone, the lady said, is this, is this Brian? And right there, I can't explain it to you, but I knew who she was. Right then, my heart dropped. And I, and I discerned, I, I just knew who she was. I told her, yes, this is Brian. She said, my name is Vianney, and I am the sister of the guy that you killed in 1992. And I would like to meet up with you. At that moment, I didn't know how to respond. My heart was beating, but God gave me the strength to walk through this process. And about a week later, Vianney went to our church, and in all our services, she stood up on the platform, and she publicly forgave me for killing her little brother. 
How does that happen? It happens because of the power of God. Yanni attends our church today. How does that happen? Jesus offers us power to live this life. Maybe some of you are struggling with shame like I was. Maybe some of you are struggling with regret like I was. You're looking at a convicted murderer, someone who has been pounded by shame and regret. But guess what? The Lord gives me power to overcome the shame in my life. He offers you that same power. So I was arrested at 16 years old. Never had a full-time job. Worked at McDonald's for one day before I quit. In all the 16 years that I was in prison, I got released in 2008. I come from a broken family. My mom and dad were never married. I got brothers from three or four different other people that my mom had kids with. My dad had kids with other people. My family was a gang-infested family. My house was a, a local kickback house for the gang members, and I grew up watching drug addicts. I grew up being fed by gang members. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know what a husband was. I never saw a husband before. All I saw were boyfriends that my mom had. By the time I got released after prison, after 16 years, I was intimidated by the world. I was intimidated by the world. How am I going to be a father? I never knew what a, what a father was like to the best degree. How am I going to be a husband? I never knew what a husband it is. I've I, I never been a How am I going to work? I never even worked. I was used to making 10 cents an hour in prison. I was, I was the slop man in prison. You know what the slop man is? I worked behind the, the kitchen and every food that you didn't eat, you threw it at me. And I would bag it up and I would separate the cartons from the from the food so that we could feed the pigs like the prodigal son. I was intimidated by the world. How am I going to get a college degree? How am I going to be a father? How am I going to be a husband? How am I going to be a leader? Listen, God gives you the power to face your future. God gives you the power to be a husband. God gives you a power to complete your degree. God gives you the power to be the wife that you are called to be. God gives you the power to face your future. Today, I'm going to show you this picture. I've been married for 23 years to the glory of God. Today... I'm a father of three beautiful kids who love the Lord Jesus Christ. My son just memorized an entire chapter of the Bible. We homeschool. We've never been homeschool teachers before. We homeschool. Today, I'm a father. Today, I'm a husband. Today, I lead a million-dollar organization Today, I'm a leader in the community. Today, somehow or another, I flew from Los Angeles to Kansas. Never been to Kansas before. But God sent me here to remind you that his power is available for you to face your future. All you got to do is call him. All you got to do is call him. That's all you got to do. I was 17 years old. Got down on my knees, and I said, Lord, I didn't even know how to pray. I just said, Lord, help me. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I give my life to you. Help me to face my future. That's all I did. I got up off of my knees, and I, I was serious. Listen. All I did was take one step at a time. That's all I did. One step. And I was so concerned. I was so concerned about 20 steps ahead. I wanted to see next month. I wanted to see six months. Lord, let me see three months ahead. And God would always tell me, Brian, don't worry about three months ahead. Don't worry about two weeks ahead. You just be concerned about one step. You just take one step. And listen, I was 17, 18 years old, and I made a commitment. I said, God, I'm going to take one step at a time. One step at a time. 
And sometimes it took me three months to take one step. Sometimes it took me six months to take one step. But I was committed. I was committed. And I learned that the Bible says if you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. And every time I took one step, I don't know how God did it, but he gave me the strength to take the next step. The next step. And then the, and then the next step. And then the next step. And I was like, God, show me three months around. Show me when I'm going to go home. Show me when I'm going to be a father. Show me that I'm going to be successful, God. Show me. And God would say, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that right now, Brian. I got you. I got you. My power got you. You just be concerned about one step, and I'll do the rest. That's all I did. Central Christian College, I'm here today. I came from a one-man cell. I came from a one-man cell, 17 years old, and society kicked me out. But God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took me back in. And I'm here today. I'm here tonight. You know why? Because I made a commitment. One step. That's it. One step. Some 28 years later, some 28 years later, I'm separated from my past. My past is washed in the blood of Jesus. My regret is under the blood of Jesus. I have a new identity in the kingdom of God. But guess what? I'm still. I don't know where I'm going to be next year, but... I want to encourage us tonight. Somebody. Somebody needs to take that first step. Somebody needs to take that third step. Somebody's been on the step for way too long. You need to take your fifth step. I don't know where you're at in your journey tonight. But somebody has to take a step forward tonight. Let's bow our heads. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Just for a couple moments, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I sense the power of the Holy Spirit with us tonight. And I believe that the Lord Jesus has spoken through his word. It's not a coincidence that we are together tonight. For the Lord is calling someone to take another step. Press on. Press on. Take another step. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe there's someone in the house tonight. You need to get right with God. Maybe there's someone in the house tonight. You have never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. God is calling you into his kingdom. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Maybe there's someone here tonight that you drifted away. You got diverted. You messed up. God is letting you know tonight that you did not mess up bigger than his love for you. His love is bigger than your mess up. And he's given you another chance. To recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to recommit their life to the Lord. And then, maybe there's someone in here tonight that needs to just take that next step. You've been on one step for way too long. It's time to take the next step. For the next couple moments, I want you to think about, are you in any one of those categories tonight? Are you in any one of those categories? Let's bow our heads just for a couple moments. Think about, are you in any one of those categories?
With every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Lord. I'm going to give someone an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to respond to the call of God upon your life. If there's anybody in here tonight that either needs to surrender to the Lord for the first time or maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe you need to recommit your life to following Jesus. If that is you, if that is you, I want an opportunity to pray with you. Think about it because in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at. And I'm going to pray with you. Is that you? Is God calling you? Is God calling you? Is God calling you? There's anybody here who needs to surrender to the Lord for the first time or recommit your life to the Lord. Stand up on your feet right now and I'll pray with you. Just stand up on your feet right now. Anybody who needs to surrender to the Lord. I see you back there. Anybody who needs to recommit your life to the Lord. I see you over there. Stand up on your feet right now. If you feel the presence of the Lord calling you, you feel the presence of the Lord calling you. Stand up on your feet right now. Hallelujah. 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 Anyone else, stand to your feet right now. You feel the presence of the Lord calling you. You need to re surrender for the first time or recommit your life to the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll wait. We'll wait. I'm going to ask those who stood up, if you're able, this is our act of faith. This is how we respond to God, by faith. If you're able, if you're towards the front, I'm going to ask you to come in, to the altar. If you stood up, kind of come and spread out to the altar as much as you can. Anybody who stood up, come to the altar. Come to the altar. The altar is the presence of the Lord. It symbolizes the presence of the Lord. You're coming to the presence of the Lord. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to the worship team. The altar symbolizes the presence of God. God is speaking to you. The presence of the Lord is here. You are responding to God tonight. You are responding to God tonight. You are responding to God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else needs to come to the altar and surrender their life to the Lord? Come on out. Come on down. We'll wait for you. The altar is, symbolizes the presence of God. The presence of the Lord is calling you into His kingdom. He's calling you into His plan. He's calling you. In every generation, somebody had to come to the Lord. In every generation, the voice of God has echoed in every generation. And not everybody has followed Him. Not everybody has responded to His call, but you're responding tonight. You're responding tonight. God is calling you into His kingdom. He's calling you to be a part of the revolution. He's preparing you through this college. He's preparing your spirit, your soul, and your mind. Through this college, He's preparing you to be a soldier of God. We need soldiers in the kingdom of God. We need people, young people, that will serve the Lord with all their hearts. We need young people that will say no to sin and yes to God. The kingdom of God needs you. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you. Hallelujah. Those that came to the altar, I want you to just kind of bow your head and your heart in reflection for a moment. Presence of the Lord is here. Just, we're not going to rush this moment. We're not going to rush. This is a holy moment. We're not going to rush it. But those who are in the chairs, maybe there's someone out in the sanctuary. You already gave your life to the Lord. You've been following God, but maybe you find yourself stuck on one step. God is telling somebody in the auditorium that it's time to take the next step, whatever that is for your life. It's time to take the next step. 
And so there's a call going out to those that are still in the pews. If you're out in the pews and you sense that God spoke to you tonight to take the next step, and whatever that is, it's different for everybody. You need to take the next step. I want you to just respond to God. Just stand up where you're at. Just stand up right where you're at. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to respond to God by standing up where you're at. And I want you to just remain in an atmosphere of worship. God is not done speaking tonight. God is not done moving. God wants to do a deeper thing in your life. Those that are still in the, uh, in the auditorium, if you could remain in an atmosphere of prayer, uh, an atmosphere of meditation, those that stood up, I want you to talk to God one-on-one, -on -one, wherever you're at in the auditorium, about that next step. What is that next step that God wants you to do, those that are back in the pews? Hallelujah. For those who came to the altar, I want everybody just to look at me for a second. I want everybody to look at me. I want to speak into your life. I want to speak into your life. Listen to me for a moment. We're not going to be that much longer. Listen to me. Tonight symbolizes a transition in your life. Symbolizes a change. By you coming up to the altar and responding to God, this is a visible symbol of a change going on in your life. And in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender, but I want you to understand what's going to take place. Because when you leave this altar, you're going to be walking into a new season for your life. A new season for your life. And I just want to speak into your life that God says you are chosen. God says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. God says that you are dearly loved by Him. God says that He has called you. He has called you to do great things in your generation. God says that He has called you to do big things. Big things. He's going to do, in some of your lives, He's going to do big things that you can't even dream of right now. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. You all are in a stage a preparation right now where God is preparing you and after you complete your assignment of preparation right here he's gonna shoot each and every one of you out to different places to advance his kingdom where you're at God has called you he loves you you are not what you did you are not what they said you are you are not shameful. For some of y'all, God is wiping away deep regret. For some of y'all, God is wiping away deep shame. God is saying He loves you. He loves you. You are sons of the Most High, daughters of the Most High. So I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. And I don't want you to just say it, say it, Flippantly, I want you to mean it from your heart. I want you to mean it from your heart. So if you're ready to surrender to Jesus, if you're ready to surrender to His will for your life, if you're ready to pick up your cross and follow Him, I would ask that you say this prayer with me from your heart. Lord God, I am sorry I messed up. Please forgive me. I turned from you and I am sorry. Tonight, I surrender to you. I surrender my heart. I surrender my mind. And I surrender my life to you and your will and your kingdom. Help me, Lord, to serve you. Help me, Lord, to be faithful to you. I surrender Jesus to you. Let me pray.
Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every young person at this altar, Father. Lord, you know their struggles. You know their obstacles, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you strengthen them in their inner man with might by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you fill them with your Holy Ghost, Father God, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray as you wiped away my shame and my regret, Lord God, that you wipe away their shame in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, fill them with your Holy Ghost. Fill them with divine drive. Fill them, Lord God, with your power. Anoint them, Father God. Strengthen them, Lord God, with focus and discernment, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Draw them closer to you. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Father God, that they may know the hope of your calling, the calling that is according to the power that you have given them, Lord God. I pray, use them in a mighty way, Lord God. And Father, I pray for those standing in the pews. I pray for those who stood up. I pray that you give them the courage and the strength to take the next step. I pray, Father God, whatever that next step is, Father God, that you give them the courage, the faith, the strength, the audacity to get up and take that next step for your glory and your honor. I pray for those who stood up, Father God. They've stood up to declare that they need to move forward, that they need to press on, Father God. Give them the spirit to press on, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray. I pray for them, Father God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Look at me for one last moment before I dismiss you back to your, to your seats. Listen to me, listen to me. The Bible says that, that the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now because you guys surrendered to the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand, praise. The angels are rejoicing right now. The Bible teaches that the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Before I dismiss you back to your seat, let me give you one major piece of advice. When you leave this altar, you're starting a new season. New season. The old is wiped away. Whatever you did this morning, gone. It's gone. You're starting a new season. Here's your assignment. The first thing that you need to learn, the first thing you need to learn is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is the first thing that you need to learn. This is your new ID. Right now, when you surrender to the Lord, God issued you a new ID. It's a kingdom ID, identification. And in the Bible, it gives us many scriptures of who we are in Christ Jesus. And your assignment is to learn that. Go study it. Go find out who you are in Christ Jesus. Read those verses that says, in Christ, in God. For that is your new ID, and that's how you are to live out your divine destiny through your new identity in Christ Jesus. I love y'all. I praise God for y'all. I'm going back to L.A. fired up because y'all stood up for Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. You may go back to your seat. You may go back to your seat. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Come on, spirit check. Spirit check. Spirit check. Spirit check. Hallelujah. If you're able, let's stand to our feet, everybody, as we prepare to dismiss with a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit check. Spirit check. Super proud of you guys. Super grateful to be with you guys for these last couple days. Me and Pastor Terry are going to go back to L.A. with the joy of the Lord. Keep us in prayer as the Lord opens up opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for us as we will pray for you. Uh, I release new teachings, Bible studies on YouTube almost weekly. If you want to follow along, that Chapel of Change TV Chapel of Change TV. 
new teachings almost every week, I think, could help you learn the Bible. The Lord has given me a gift to kind of break down the Bible in, in clear ways. I encourage you to follow along. But I want to close out with a blessing before I do. Just want to show some more love to Pastor Zach. Let's give it up to the Lord for Pastor Zach. Amen. Pastor Zach, come down here and you bless us out, my brother. Give it up for Pastor Zach. Come on, give it up for Pastor Zach. Come on, make some noise. Come on, make some noise. Thank you, my brother. You're doing a great job. I'm inspired by you. We're going to take this love back to L.A., bro. God bless you, man. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that it's real. We pray that this evening sticks. We pray that when Brian tells us that we have a new ID, that we believe it and that we live in that identity. We pray that this moment right now would change everything for this year, for this school, for this campus, for this community. We pray that it would be real. And so God, we give you us. We give you all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. Blessing, Central. Uh, no second talk? Okay. I mean, it's not...